Amen. Praise God. Beautiful spirit of worship here tonight. Amen. Amen. Truly, God is in this place once again. You know, He responds to hunger and thirst. That's very biblical. That's why many churches are dead. They're not hungry. They're not thirsty. They've got the program already set. I'm hungry tonight. Amen. I'm not just talking about physical food. I'm hungry for the spiritual today. Amen. He'll sustain me for eternity. Bless God. Enjoyed our time here in the wild, wild west. God's been good. Really had a wonderful time yesterday with the young people. You've got a good bunch of young people in this church. Support them. The world's got a plan for their life. God's got a plan for their life. It's completely different to what the world has in store. It's a lot better. It's got eternal consequences and blessings. And, and you're blessed with a good bunch of young men and young women. Young people, serve God with all your heart. This isn't for old people. This is for everybody. Amen. I'm so glad I got saved as a young man. Thank God. Amen. And for the rest of us, let's continue not just to support our young people, but you're never too old. For God to use you, you're never too old that you become obsolete and of no use to the family or the kingdom of God. I'm glad I've been coming here for several years now. When you see the changes, you see the growth, you see the new faces and you see the young ones and you see the older ones and you see stability and consistency in people's life. That stuff's priceless. It really is. It really is priceless. I've been around long enough to see those with charisma and talents and think they're God's gift to the world and to the church that don't last too long but there's something about stickability I don't know if that's a word in the dictionary but it's a word in my dictionary people just want to stick it out and stay and, and be consistent and be faithful and say God I might not be where I want to be but here I am use me establish me set me upon a solid foundation that's what his church is built upon today bless God hallelujah today I want to talk I want to share on the, the thought if I can get to my notes. But I want to share on the thought, the great south land. And that's what we are. The great south land of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe God had a, has a purpose for this land, Australia. It happened way before European settlers come, I believe. God had a destiny for us as a church. Hundreds of years ago, He saw that we'd be here tonight. Hallelujah. We are the lucky country, not because we've got money, not because we've got freedom, but because we've got God. Amen. I want to read to you this uh, tonight before I get into the scriptures. Something that I was, I was over in Kurong, Christian bookstore. And I saw this plaque and uh, uh, this post and I ended up buying it. Entitled, La Australia del Espiritu Santo. Southland of the Holy Spirit. Written on the 14th of May, 1606. This is what it said. Let the heavens, the earth, the waters, with all their creatures and all those here present, witness that I, Captain Pedro Fernandez de Cores, in the name of Jesus Christ, hoist this the emblem of the Holy Cross on which his, in brackets, Jesus Christ, close brackets, person, was crucified, and whereon he gave his life for the ransom and remedy of the human race. On this day of Pentecost... The 14th of May, 1606. I take possession of all this part of the South, as far as the Pole, in the name of Jesus, which from now on shall be called the Southern Land of the Holy Ghost. 
and this always and forever to the end and to all natives in all the said lands the holy sacred evangel may be preached zealously and openly this was written by an explorer that came to the southern parts of the continent in our region reaching out to australia uh, to the south pole it's amazing that this ha- happened to take place on the 14th of may the day of pentecost that he claimed this region this isn't coming from a oneness pentecostal but he claimed it in the name of jesus labeling this parts of the world the islands in the pacific australia down to the south pole the land the south land of the holy spirit and although he didn't inhabit australia he spoke i believe prophetic words to this part of the world that probably didn't mean much to people of that time that this is the great south land of the holy spirit i believe australia is a land of promise and a land of destiny I don't believe his revival should be something that we try to psych each other up and get each other thinking that maybe one day it's going to happen. I believe today that God destined this nation, this state, this city for revival. Not a revival of religion, but a revival of God. Where his name would be lifted up. Where his spirit would be welcomed into the lives of people. I believe we are living in a prophetic era of mankind that's going to affect this part of the world here in Perth. This church here this evening. You and I are a part of an end time revival that was birthed in the Holy Ghost nearly 2000 years ago when Peter stood up and he he, he quoted an Old Testament scripture and he said, "In the last days saith the Lord, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh." Here in Australia he brought all flesh together. <laughs> Hallelujah because he wants to fulfill his promise upon this church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want us to turn to the book of John chapter 4 verse 30 35 to 38. The book of John as you're turning there it's very interesting. Chapter 4 is probably mostly known for his visit to the Samaritan lady at the well where he began to speak to her about water as she wanted to go there and draw water and Jesus had a conversation with this lady about water that he has that if you were to taste of his water you would never thirst again we understand what he was talking about tonight right he was talking about the outpouring of his spirit that would quench every worldly desire that you've ever had all in him in god in his spirit but it's it's interesting the second part of john chapter 4 he talks to the disciples while he's there having a conversation with this samaritan lady they've gone out to kfc to get food or maybe not kfc he's they they've gone out to buy food and they come back after jesus had been speaking to a samaritan lady revealing who he was she went off and told everybody about this jesus about living waters about prophetic words that he spoke that no man could have known he is the messiah they came back with lunch he had just spoken to the lady about water but then he goes on to speak to the disciples about food <laughs> the meat is for the church the spirit is for salvation and then he goes on in verse 35 to 38 to say these words Say not ye that there are yet four months 
and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Church, open up your eyes tonight. And look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. And he that reapeth receives wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap, that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. Open up your eyes, church. The fields are white and ready for harvest. But we haven't got a big enough building to hold the multitudes. We haven't got the program set. Harvest time is when we're ready. No, it's not. Revival is when God speaks the word. Revival is when God decides, I'm ready to move. It's not when we've got everything together. Bless God, we've been growing on the east side of Australia, on the Gold Coast. I'm, I'm, I'm panicking a little bit because I'm not ready, I feel. But God's bringing people. Revival is not limited to a man. It's all about God having His way in the lives of mankind and the church getting ready. I want to ask your pastor to pray before we continue on. Bless the Lord. Father, we thank You for the anointing that's upon our brother tonight. Lord, You've sent him with the Word. Lord God, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive it. That, Lord, that Your Word would be mingled with faith in us. That would bring forth that which you desire, Lord, not by our will or our vision, but by the anointing and direction of the Holy Ghost, Lord God, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' Hallelujah. I want to thank God for our church elders that the United Pentecostal Church has been blessed with. If you've been here for only a few years, you might not know some of the people that went before us. If you've been here long enough, you know there are some heroes that the Australian church has that fought for things that we never had to fight for, who took on devils and people and persecution that made church so much more easy for you and I tonight. Many years ago, back in the 50s, the Bogues came from America. They felt the call of God, despite people telling them not to come. They had an opportunity of a big church in the States that was already established but they felt the call of God to leave their comfort zone and come to a strange land. And I'm glad tonight that they did. In growing up, I had my heroes. My pastor's always been my hero. He's retired now. He's in his 80s. Some of you may know him, Brother Slack. I'm so glad for a man of God that was never afraid to preach the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, even when there was persecution and opposition, but he still stood up and preached the truth. Thank God for men like Brother Slack. Brother Jeff Holden, who led this organization for over 20 years. What a man of God. I remember when he was our superintendent. And hearing some of the stories. I remember there was a time when on the radio, they were on a local radio station, the radio announcer was making fun of oneness Pentecostals. This man didn't just listen to the radio and think, wow, that's, that's upsetting. I remember he testified, he drove to the radio station and had an appointment with the radio announcer and threw his Bible on the table and said, show me where we're wrong. Men that would dare to stand up in the midst of persecution say, listen, if you've got something to say it, say it. But we know that there is only one God and his name is Jesus. It's not popular. It doesn't go with modern theology. But let me tell you, it's as old as God himself. It doesn't change because God doesn't change. 
men that would stand up on street corners and say, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. Are you crazy? What do you mean? Do I have to go into water? Well, according to the Word of God, yes, you do. Men that stood up for truth. Men that stood up and said, when you receive the Holy Ghost, the only Bible evidence that you will receive is that you begin to speak in other tongues. How? As the Spirit gives you the ability or the utterance. It wasn't popular back then, but they preached it. They were called all sorts of names, but they still preached the truth. Today, statistics tell us worldwide that since the Azusa Street revivals, over 500 million Pentecostals have received this experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues in nearly every nation across the known world today. Hallelujah. But there was a time they made, all, they made fun of us. Where they would have tent meetings. You hear some of the stories. And the other denominations would come and they would cut down the tents. Persecution, you talk about, they went through it. But thank God they went through it. We have heroes in our organization that many of you have been affected by. Brother Glass, he's a pillar in our church on the Gold Coast. Many of you know him as your own pastor that came over here with the call of God during tough times in the church's history. But God used him in a mighty way. And him and his wife remained faithful. They didn't compromise the message to be accepted. They preached the message so that we could accept God. And many of you that are here today can recall the times when you first came here under the pastorship of the glasses. Bless the Lord. He's still in a wheelchair. His health isn't the best. But I tell you, there are times he gets his wife to drag him in the wheelchair to the altar so that he can lay hands on sick people and pray upon them. Why? Because he still believes in healing. He still believes in the power of the Holy Ghost. Your, your former pastor, doesn't, he doesn't sit in his wheelchair asking God, why me? He's still actively as active as he can be. When the Spirit moves, he lets his hands moving fast because he's responding to the power of God. These men, they, they're heroes in our times today. They labored hard so that we could have it easy. <laughs> so that we could have it a lot easier than they ever did. They took on persecution that we never had to take on. Bless God and thank the Lord for them. They fought devils that we don't have to face. They took on criticism and persecution that we will never understand. I, I, I've never had windows thrown through our church window in the middle of a service. When my pastor took the church in a place called Belmore, Sydney, there was these two people that would come on a Sunday evening or a Sunday morning and during the midst of the preaching, throw bricks through the windows. Two men that were heavily involved in the occult, they would go to the local park in Belmore and have satanic rituals and then come back and try to persecute the church. I've never faced that opposition before. They did. And because they did, we are a church that is destined for greater things. We have got it so much easier. You young people, hear me today. You don't realize how good you've got it. Don't be afraid to stand up for truth. If it's not popular, it doesn't matter. It's still truth. Hallelujah. We're living in a world that, that they're looking for relevance in the Christian world. It's called compromise. You don't have to compromise this message. It stands alone. The truth will set us free. Bless God. Their efforts help build this church and bring us to where we are today. For many years, the oneness Pentecostal movement was attacked. Jesus only. And many other titles that they gave us to put us down. As a matter of fact, many times you could go to a book, Christian bookstores and look up 
uh, uh, religious cults, and you'd find listed were the United Pentecostal Church as the biggest oneness cult in the world. Now what they say is that in some books they say that we're no longer a cult, we've just misinterpreted scriptures. They're getting better, but we've stayed the same. <laughs> it's the truth. Bless God. In our world today, I was blessed just, uh, just the other day, there's a church on the Gold Coast. I was a little bit curious about them last year, so I inquired, who are you people? What do you believe? I told them I'm a Pentecostal. I got no response. I was telling your pastor just this week, I said, you know, it's time to send them another message. I sent them another message again because I noticed on their Facebook page, they had a group coming to their church, Oneness Apostolics. That got my attention. So I said to them, I'm, a, I'm from a Oneness Pentecostal church. Who are you people? It turns out that they also are a Oneness Pentecostal church. They belong to the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. They're not part of the UPC. They're part of a group that if you study our history, we're all as one many, 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 many years ago. They believe our doctrine also. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, thank you, Jesus. And in 20, 15, 20 minutes away, there is another Oneness Pentecostal church. Hallelujah. You know, I've been praying, God, where can we start the second church on the Gold Coast? In my mind, Narang, a place called Narang, was the next area to start. But doors never seem to be opening in that direction. But doors have started to open right at the bottom of the Gold Coast on the border. Now I'm starting to understand why God wants to get a oneness Pentecostal church, not in Narang, but further south. There's already a oneness Pentecostal church there. Bless the name of God. Hallelujah. This message, this oneness message is becoming a lot more popular. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to just push it aside as if it's not important. It's important. Hallelujah. The message of the name of Jesus, it's going to bring revival. I believe that. I got a phone call on the way back from conference. And uh, the lady said, I was having a chat with my wife actually, because I announced at our home missions promotion that we feel God's leading us to start a second church down the south side of the Gold Coast on the border around a place called Tweed. On the way back from conference, my wife was saying to me, listen, you're the pastor. I'll support you as much as I can. But are you sure about this? We're only a small church. We've got one family as a contact down that way. How can we start another church there? I said, Hannah, I really feel it. Because, you know, I was talking to so-and-so. We're going to support it. But we're very concerned. How are we going to do this? I said, I don't know. Within one hour of that conversation, driving back, I received a phone call from a lady saying, do you baptize in Jesus' name? I said, yes, we do. No, 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 specifically and only in the name of Jesus. Yes, that's the only way we baptize. Can you baptize four of us in Jesus' name? <laughs> Where do you live? We live around the Tweed area. <laughs> Australia's a big country church they came looking for us we didn't look for them we had a conversation an hour ago how's God going to do it I said I don't know but I know God's going to do it I get a phone call one hour lady, later from four ladies you've got to come and baptize us in the name of Jesus nobody on Tweed will baptize us that way they keep telling us not to worry about the name but we need to be baptized in Jesus name <laughs> I said how did you know about us Asked, how did you hear about us? Well, we asked somebody in America and they found you. Who? I don't know these people. 
God opens doors when you stand for truth without compromise. He will open up doors when you can't open them yourselves. So we went down to Tweed, into the public pool. I love it. We get to this pool, and there's a big sign at the front of the pool, a public pool. And it said that the small pool is closed from 1 o'clock to 1.30 for baptisms. These people haven't got a clue what a baptism is. But they've put a sign up for everybody to know that there's going to be a baptism in the church in their, their swimming pool. Man, we got in there. You should have seen the, the people doing their laps up and down. I walk in there in my clothes with the ladies and everybody stops. And so when I say I, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, I make sure I say it loud enough for everybody in that pool to hear that there's something about the name of Jesus. And I'm not ashamed to, re- to speak it out. Mm. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This land is ripe and ready for harvest. Hallelujah. The, re- the message that we preach is going to reach far beyond our expectations. I believe, and I've heard this as a cliche for many, many years, that this is the church's greatest hour. And I'm not saying that to make you excited, but I'm saying it because I feel it in my heart today. I feel it swelling up in my spirit. This truly is the church's finest hour. It's not a time to go back or be quiet. It's a time for the church of the living God to stand up and to make a difference in this world. Don't wait for the right moment or for the right conversation. It's already happening. You've got the Spirit in you. You've got the Word of God. Open up your mouth and speak it. Fields are white and they're ready. Hallelujah. Seeds have been sown where we didn't labor. But we're going to reap a harvest. I believe that our forefathers worked hard for. Revelation chapter 3 verse 7 says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, These things save he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man opens. If you've been to Bible school, the church of Philadelphia is the church of brotherly love. A church where the love of God is manifested. That's what we need in the church today. They've been through things. They've been through persecution. They've had tough times. But they're known as the church of love. They, they overcame persecution. And God gave them a word saying, I'm going to open doors that no one can shut. And I'm going to shut doors that no one can open. That tells me that God is just totally in control in the areas of opportunity. That tell them that God wants to have a church where He's in control and He makes ways and makes possibilities when you least expect it. That tells me of the church that I belong to tonight that is Spirit-led, that is Spirit-fed. Hallelujah. That is walking by faith. And I believe tonight that the door of opportunity has been opened for the Australian church. But we've got to get rid of small God mentality. We've got to get rid of small church mentality. We've got to get rid of small mentality. I'm not talking about getting ourselves excited for what we haven't got. I'm talking about putting our faith that God is in total control. That He wants revival more than you've ever wanted revival before. I want to see a harvest. But God wants to harvest more than I've ever wanted to see a harvest. I want to see people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But that wasn't my purpose. That's the purpose of God. I love to baptize people in the name of Jesus. I have an addiction. It's getting into the water and baptizing people. Don't stop my addiction. I don't need to see baptisms anonymous. I just need to baptize more people tonight. 
Why? Because baptism is the heartbeat of God that people can go in as an old man but come out in newness of life, born again back to their original state of relationship with God. We need to, as a church, I believe today, get out of survival mode and get into revival mode. I believe when we have an attitude of revival, we stop looking at ourselves all the time and saying, what do I need? And we get our focus and our attention. What does God want for me? What does God want for my church? What does God want for my city? How can I make myself available for the master's use? We need a revival that doesn't start out there. We need a revival that starts in here. It doesn't start with the lost. It starts with the saved. I need a revival within my own spirit tonight that says, Lord, I've got to hear your heartbeat. I've got to get a burden for the lost. I've got to get a desire for the will of God to be manifested in my life. The United Pentecostal Church is not just a movement that's hanging on in hope. Let me get a bit more personal today. Here on the north side of Perth, we're not a church that's just hoping that God's going to get us through to eternity. God's got a destiny for you. God's got a destiny for this church. You ought to stay in the church tonight. Don't look for plan B. Don't look for something bigger and better. You ought to stay right here in the house of God as a member of this church. Why? Let me tell you something prophetic today. God's got plans for this church. God's got plans for your life. As soon as you step out of the church, you're going to miss out on the will of God. You might not feel it, but let me tell you, friend, just stay in the church. Just make yourself faithful to the call of God. Just submit yourself to the leadership, to your pastor. Just be submissive to the Spirit of Almighty God that is moving in these end times here on the north side of Perth. Because I believe God's not looking outside these walls to find vessels to use. Everything that God needs is in the building right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He didn't just call you just to be another number in the church. Oh, we are living in an age of prophetic fulfillment. Hear me tonight. We are living in an age of prophetic fulfillment. An old explorer said that this is the great south land of the Holy Spirit. He knew nothing about you. He knew nothing about me. But God did. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hear me tonight. When I read that article, when I read that poster, let me tell you, I felt goosebumps coming up and down my spine. It was as if God was saying, listen, you never met Pedro Fernandez. He never met you. But listen to what he said because it's going to affect you and it's going to affect the Gold Coast and it's going to affect the church and my family. And I'm here to tell you, it's going to affect you also. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This is the great south land of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I know that, that, that our political system is not one that's Pentecostal. I, I, I know that the school system opposes everything that we believe in. But let me tell you tonight who's in charge of what's going on. It's not Tony Abbott. It's not the school system. It's not the workplace. I believe tonight with all my heart that God is in control. He's directing our steps. He's opening up doors. He's leading us. Hallelujah. He's anointing us. He's raising us up. Bless God. Bless God. And in the last days, 
It says, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens, in those days I'm going to pour out my spirit. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise is to you. Hallelujah. It's for all of us that are here as many as are afar off. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, friend, we are a part of an apostolic movement that began on the day of Pentecost. It started when Jesus went to a cross and it's alive and it's real today. Hallelujah. The devil's tried to stop us. He's tried to shut the church up. He's tried to do all types of things to shut this thing up. But God is still in control. I said this morning that the Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. And let me tell you, God's church is still alive. And we we still are a part of that movement. Bless God. Why don't we praise Him for a moment? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We are a part of an end time church. I said we are a part of an end time church. Hallelujah, the church that was birthed on the day of Pentecost is still alive today. The disciples died and went on to glory. But we are His disciples today. We are the mouthpiece of the Holy Ghost. We are the voice of God to a lost and dying world. If we shut up, the world won't hear His voice in us. Hallelujah. Can I stir up somebody's heart today? Lift up your eyes. Look unto the fields. They are white. They're ripe. They're ready for harvest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. I've been coming to this church now. I think it's about 11 years when I first came here. Brother and sister Glass were here. stayed with them twice. I've been able to see the growth coming every year, sometimes every two years. I've been blessed to see what God is doing here. Pastor Butcher is doing a fantastic job with his wife and the leadership that he's been blessed with. I've also been blessed to go to the Paul Osses Church down south. Been there several times also and been amazed to see the growth that they've experienced and when i get into my mind and begin to see how god's moved here and how god's moved there i'm amazed to see the growth that western australia perth has experienced as a spirit has been moving and men have been faithful to the call of god men have been faithful to the word of god and the church is growing not just numerically but also in maturity It's amazing going to conference and seeing how many of you guys are at conference. It's amazing to go to youth camp and hearing how many young people come from here to youth camp. I know it's not cheap. We whinge and we're from the East Coast. You guys pay so much more money, lose your holidays from work, make sacrifices. Why? I believe because we know that God is doing something great beyond ourselves and we want to be a part of revival. Bless God. 
We read in the very beginning in John chapter 4, don't say there are four months. Don't think that the natural harvest equates to a spiritual harvest. In the natural, we do things and we have control in some ways. In the spiritual, we just submit to the leading of the Holy Ghost and God has His ways. He doesn't need a CEO to run His program. He needs humble, submitted vessels that would say, Lord, I'll submit to You. I'll submit to Your leadership. I'll submit to the Spirit of God. Whatever it is, Lord, that You want me to do, I'm willing to do it. That doesn't mean you're going to stand behind the pulpit and preach the Word of God. You might not be that person. But if you would submit yourself to God, you will be a vessel. You are a vessel that God is using or wants to use to expand His kingdom. Bless God. Revival. I believe in it. We plan ahead with special services. We get evangelists and preachers to come from other churches. Most of the time, can I be quite honest with you? The evangelist that comes preaches the same message that the pastor preaches. It's the truth. I pastor now. I hear people coming saying the same things. I'm thinking, are you serious? I've said that a thousand times. He says it and you're running around the building. People are getting the Holy Ghost. Is my English bad? You don't understand me? But we have this mentality that unless somebody comes and we pay for their airfare, God's not going to move. Hey, God speaks to your pastor every Sunday morning. You ought to listen to what he says. That was for free. Special speakers, and we promote revival because the evangelist so-and-so is coming. Or somebody's coming from overseas or from interstate. We call them revival services. Every time you get together, it's a revival service. When you get together midweek for a prayer meeting, revival's in operation. When the youth get together to throw a football around, revival is in progress. When the kids go to Sunday school and hear the word of God and sing songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, revival's in progress. Every time we get together in the name of Jesus, the Bible says, He's there in the midst. Wherever He is, revival is happening. I believe that Northside Church, everything that you need is in the building. I'm going back to my church tomorrow. Next Sunday, I'll just go back to being the pastor. Just the person that comes week after week. But can I tell you, everything that this church needs is already here. You don't need an accent from the States. You don't need somebody from the East. Everything that God has destined for revival is already in the building. I'm talking to you right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We have the anointing of the Holy Ghost already in our services. I've been here over the weekend. I've been here many times. The worship is powerful. Honestly, people can get the Holy Ghost in that type of worship. I know we sit back, wait for the preacher to come up and give the sermon, then have the altar service. But I'm telling you, what I've experienced today, this morning and tonight, people can get the Holy Ghost in the middle of worship. You can get your healing when you're lifting up your hands, singing about Jesus. You can have your, your answer before the preacher even opens, up his, opens his mouth up. Hallelujah. Because the anointing of the Holy Ghost is already in this place. You are anointed, church. That's a poor response right there. You don't believe it. I said, you are already anointed. Every time you open up your mouth and begin to call upon the name of Jesus, demons begin to tremble. 
every time you begin to speak in tongues, something happens in the supernatural. The Bible says that the Spirit prays through your mysteries. God's having His way. He's stirring up the Spirit realm. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Maybe you need a bit of convincing today. I was here last night. I saw your youth group. Man, fantastic. God has blessed this church with a great bunch of young people. Sister Emma, you're doing a great job. Hallelujah. I'm not saying this. I'm a preacher. I can't lie. I'm a Christian. So when I speak, I speak truth. Sometimes truth hurts people. But it's the truth. God is raising up young men and women in this side, uh, this side of the world, I believe. Your youth group, you guys can make a big impact in this church. I need to say that one again. You young men and women are already making a difference. Don't limit yourselves to what your age or your lack of this and your lack of that. You are anointed. God's already poured His Spirit into your life. When I, when I read my Bible in, in Acts chapter 1 and 8, it says these words, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. That promises to every person that's in this building today that's been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you're Spirit-filled, you've been anointed and called to be a witness of God. Don't wait for a pulpit. God's already given you a pulpit. It might be the pulpit of your workplace. It might be the pulpit of university or school. Hallelujah. It might even be the pulpit of the unemployment agency. Don't limit God. God's anointed you. When He filled you with the Holy Ghost, every young man and woman, you need to tap yourself on the chest and say, I'm anointed. I'm called. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe this church, now let me get a bit more specific. This church is ready for revival. You've been having it. I know you've gone through times. Sometimes are harder, sometimes are easier. I'm sure it's not always easy. I'm sure there's times that your pastor gets in there and has a, an honest one-on-one with the Lord because things aren't the best. But this church is destined, I believe, for revival. At the Sydney Conference... Brother Raymond Woodward preached three mornings straight for those that were there on the simple thought, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who was at the conference? Oh, that's a great number. If God be for us, he went to preach that for one morning. God had other plans. He preached that three days straight. I think there was a message there that God's trying to get the attention of the Australian church. I really believe it today. When I prepare this message, God's trying to get our attention today here in the West Side. If He's for us, who can be against us? You see, we so often plan things with pros and cons and fors and against, and we try to work out. Man, just go straight to the Scriptures tonight. The Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? Bless God. This is our challenge. There's a message there for us, church. In pastoring and walking with God, I've come to a place I refuse to have mediocre church. I refuse to come to a church and just have church as usual. Every time I get into the house of God, I'm expecting and believing that God's going to do something. If nobody else gets it, I'm going to get it for myself. 
I refuse to have church as usual. I refuse to listen to lies and discouragement and a small church mentality. Hey, I belong to the body today. I'm part of the kingdom of God. Let me take it just a little bit more personal today. Western Australia, your state. I did a little bit of research. The first recorded European uh, contact, one of the first, was in 1616. When Dutch explorer Dirk Hartog landed on the west coast. Although many expeditions have visited the coast during the next 200 years, there was no lasting attempt at establishing a permanent settlement. Most of the explorers of this period concluded that the apparent lack of water and fertile soil made this region unsuitable for colonization. The explorers basically saw Western Australia as a land with no future. They saw this land as a land without promise. They saw it as a big desert and that there was nothing that this land had to offer. Little did they know. 2014, 2013, 2014, that period of time, 100 and nearly $122 billion of mining came from Western Australia. $122 billion. You basically kept Australia alive during the GFC. Thank you. They extracted $73.7 billion worth of iron ore, $14.4 billion of gas, $9.8 billion of crude oil, $8.8 billion worth of gold, alumina, $4.3 billion, nickel, $3.5 billion, and others, $7.1 billion, a total of $121.6 billion of precious metals and gases came from this state of Australia. Let me ask all those explorers that came past by boat. You thought this land had nothing to offer? <laughs> Seriously? There was riches under this ground and off this shoreline that has made this country a nice place to be. And you're, you're reaping the benefits. Western Australia kept this, this place, this country going. But this may sound a little bit crazy to some, but I'm going to say it. The greatest asset for this city is not hidden under the ground. Neither is it offshore today of our coastlines in the form of gas. The greatest asset that this city, this state has is the church of the living God. I said the greatest asset that this church has is you. It's revival for this city. $121 billion cannot compare to the soul or the price of one soul that's born again. I don't know about you. $122 billion couldn't purchase my salvation. But Jesus did. $122 billion couldn't make my life right. But Jesus did. $122 billion cannot bring revival to Western Australia, to Australia, to Perth. But Jesus has, Jesus can, and Jesus is. And it's in the church today. Can I say this evening that our youth are more precious than any minerals of gold or iron or gas or pearls? 
You young people here are more valuable than any treasure that they can dig up from under the ground. There is a land, I believe, here that is the land of the, of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Our church pillars this evening are more valuable than any mining company that ever made, a, made their place here in Western Australia. You and I are the hope of this state. To the drunk, to the alcoholic, to the drug addict, to the depressed, to the homeless, to the broken marriages, to the rebellious child. There's no hope in money, but there is hope in this church today that revival is destined for our city. It's in you. It's in you tonight. Second Corinthians, and I'm coming to a close, puts it like this. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the, to the... To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hear me. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not in distress. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Oh, hallelujah. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be made manifested in our bodies. Let me tell you, friend, you are the manifestation of hope that this city needs today. You are the Jesus that the world is looking for. They've heard a lot about religion. But they've never seen the real Jesus walk in the streets of Perth. But if there is a young person, if there is an old person today, they will just get themselves stirred up today. It's not just always about me. Hallelujah. I said, it's not always about me and what can I get out of God. But let me tell you, God is raising up a generation. Oh, you got to hear it today. God has raised up a church here in Perth that's not founded upon popularity. It's not seeking compromise just to win people into the numbers game. But there is a church that has been birthed by the Holy Ghost that will dare stand up and say, God, if you can use anything, use me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Is anybody getting what the preacher's talking about today? God's got a destiny. He's not looking for another evangelist. He's got you in the house today. Let me tell you, young man, young woman, oldest saint of God that's been around and maybe gotten a little bit stale. It's you that God's called for revival. He's filled this church with purpose. There is no devil in hell that can stop the purpose of God. There is no lie that's stronger than the truth. The Bible tells me that light shines in darkness and darkness cannot comprehend the light. Oh, we are the great south land of the Holy Ghost tonight. Hallelujah. Don't stop. Don't stop. Does anybody feel the call of God today? That maybe you want to take your faith just a little bit deeper today. Maybe you don't, you don't want to pray for yourself alone today of give me this and give me that. Maybe your prayers, God, I want to give back to you today. Is there anybody today who wants to put their hand up to say, God, tonight I'm making myself available.
Come on, church. We've got the revelation of who He is. We've been baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. We know the power of the name of Jesus. We understand the miracle signs and wonders that follow after the church today. But do we know what God wants to do in us and in this church this evening? Do we understand who we are in Him? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, is God speaking to somebody today that you just put your hands up and say, Lord, I want more of you. I want to be a vessel that you can use. Don't wait to finish Bible school. Don't wait until you graduate from this, that and the other. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. Hallelujah. You're not too old. I said you're not too old. We put a lot of emphasis on our youth and we, we thank God for them. But you're not too old today. God didn't call you to retire. Hallelujah. I said God didn't call you just to sit back and relax until glory takes you home. God's got a call for everybody here today. Hallelujah. 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 hallelujah.